The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less, and in this case, much, much, much less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and IGN, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, not Killdozer McGee. Oh. I was thinking of changing my first name to Killdozer. And your last name to McGee. Yeah. I think your middle name should be something like... (laughs) Of the DeWalt McGees. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, your middle name should be something like Justice... Killdozer Justice McGee. Yeah, Justice is his middle name. Don't call him that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I would I would prefer a hyphenate middle name. Like, don't call me late for dinner is that's my middle long, name. That's a long hyphen. Well, wouldn't, mm. it, wouldn't it just be late for dinner? Wouldn't that just be a good middle name? But I don't want people to call me that. Well, most people don't want people to call them by their middle name. Hell! Oh, dear God. This week on Cancel My, my actual yeah. name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic for the internet. You know who I am. I would hope so. I'm, I'm the quiet, cantankerous one. And you're damn sexy. <laughs> and this week on Cancel Too Soon, uh, we have unearthed a failed pilot from the far-off year of 1974. And this one we are talking about for a variety of reasons. Well, it's an Oscar tie-in more than anything. Yeah, so this year at the Academy Awards, the great Sam Elliott has received his first Academy Award nomination. Long overdue, I feel. Oh, he he's one of those actors who I can't really think of like one gigantic standout performance mm-hmm. where he was really, really impressive. Uh, but he Roadhouse. Should, well, but he should get an, an Academy Award for being Sam Elliott. But there's no being Sam Elliott category at the Academy Awards yet. Yet. So uh, Bradley Cooper would be his competition. This that's year. true. <laughs> You stole my voice. I did not steal your voice. Yes, you did. You stole my voice. <laughs> uh, in A Star is Born, Sam Elliott plays Bradley Cooper's older brother. He won- earned an Academy Award nomination for the part. And I he think... Plays, he plays his dad. No, it's not his dad. It's his older brother. No, it's his dad. It's his, no, it's his much older brother. Their much dad o- died. Oh, I thought he was his dad. No, his dad... Their dad died. Okay. He had Bradley Cooper... He, like, had Bradley Cooper with, like, another woman or something. Okay. Uh, God, I hope I'm remembering that right. One of us is right. Brad, that couldn't possibly be right. Sam Elliott was born in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like 30 years apart. I'm telling you, Dad, I thought Dad slept with another woman. I thought that was the whole idea. Well, d- a d- significantly younger woman and then Sam Elliott. I was Elliott. about to say, Dad got around for a long time then. Well, people do. Okay. In any case, yeah, Sam Elliott is in A Star is Born. He has an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Sam Elliott is 31 years older than Bradley Cooper. All right. <laughs> And Mick Jagger had a kid recently. I'm just well, saying it okay, happens. Yeah. Mick Jagger, come on. Well, maybe their dad's Mick Jagger. You ever think of that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a twist? <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo. 
Sam Elliott uh-huh. has an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor, and I must say, I think it's well-deserved. It's a really, really great performance. Mm. He's always been a really great actor, but he's often been a really great actor in roles that, you're right, aren't really Oscar roles. Mm. Like, what Wait. is, like, Big Lebowski, he's iconic and wonderful. You don't really get an Oscar for that, well, it, you know? Uh, my wife has rather brilliantly suggested that the Academy add a, uh, a Best Cameo to their acting categories, mm. like uh, for a role that is only like maybe one or two scenes, like yeah. under a certain amount of screen time, because there are some really great performances, but like they don't, they're not supporting players necessarily. They're just sort of in and out. Like uh, Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street, for instance. Like he gives you the theme and he's really great and he sort of lays down the entire tone of what's to come, but he only has like one scene in this three hour film. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Something like that. Or um, if you remember uh, Uma Thurman in Nymphomaniac. Yeah. As the jilted wife who comes in and just sort of like over-theatricalizes everything. John Turturro in Collateral Damage. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's it's a movie no one remembers. It's the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger's family dies in a terrorist attack yeah, and he travels to South America. I to, barely remember it's it. It's not I a good movie. It, but yeah. John Turturro is in like one scene and he's just like this guy in a jail with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he, it's, he's given a great four-star performance mm. in a one-and-a-half-star movie. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. To confirm, I looked it up. Mm. They're half-brothers. The ha- oh, geez. All right. They're half brothers in a Star Wars born, but in any case, I, Sam I, Elliott has I, I, had a I long. I totally, career. totally fudged that detail in my brain. Sam <laughs> Elliott has had an incredible. Thank you. I'm trying to get on with the show. All right, you good? I'm good now. Okay, Sam Elliott has had a very long career, <laughs> and amongst his, you know, he's he's done TV movies, he's done TV shows, he's done feature films, and he almost starred in a television series about the world's greatest stuntman. Evil Knievel. I want to thank you for coming here today. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I hope you'll enjoy the show. Thank you. And this was back in the day of funky bass lines. Uh, it was the 70s. Any mm. 1970s TV show theme could be switched with any other 1970s TV show theme, mm. unless there are lyrics. Well, the, uh, th- that's not quite true because there were two two types. There was like the the funky bass line, and then there was like the elevator music kind. Like mm. uh, if you think of the theme song to Taxi. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where there, there's like the really there's 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 funk and there's jazz essentially, and. Uh, the the funk themes could be interchanged and the jazz themes could be interchanged, but never the twain shall meet. Indeed. Evil uh, Knievel was a funk. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Knievel aired on CBS on March 29th, 1974. Uh, it aired along with another failed racing pilot, a sitcom called Aces Up. This was, uh, near as we can tell, it aired right after an episode of Good Time. So that's actually a pretty solid lead-in. Uh, aces up. That's, that's made-up slang. They right? just made that up. It's just, aces high was taken, so that's yeah, aces so. up. Uh, it was directed by Michael O'Hurlihy, who did a bunch did, of episodes of Mannix and Rawhide on the did, 18th. Uh, well, I mean, he's, he was one of those... This is from the era when TV veterans just did every show. Yeah. So you, you look up directors from this era, and they have like 800 credits. He's also the, the brother of... Actor Dan O'Hurley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. Yeah, he he, uh, he directed an episode of Star Trek. Fun. Uh, also, this was written by Richard DeLong Adams, who wrote Winchester 73. 
the made-for-TV remake. And and not one, but two thrillers starring Jim Brown in prison. Oh, weird. Okay. The Slams and I Escaped from Devil's Island. I like the second title better. Yeah. At this point... The Slams could be anything. At this point in Sam Elliott's career, you know, he'd, he'd been in stuff. But uh, he wasn't really big. Uh, he was 30 years old at the time. He'd uh, done a stint on Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. He was card player number two in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he had starred in one of my picks for the worst horror movies ever made, mm-hmm. Frogs. That's right. Frogs is a turd. I saw Frogs on network TV, and I I owned it on VHS very briefly. That's one of the few movies where the commercials are so much better than the film. (laughs) It's like, oh, thank God, a Tide commercial is on. It's about this. It's about this like family retreat in like I don't know Mm -hmm. New Orleans or you know Mississippi, Louisiana, one of those swampy areas, Uh and they're just in this house in the swamp, and every time someone leads the house. Like, nature kills them. But not in, like, a fun Final Destination way. Not in a scary when animals attack kind of way. Just in a stupid, boring, falling over while frogs look at you kind of way. They, yeah, they, they just they just sort of die. The, the implication is that there's, like, some sort of weird ghostly curse. I think it's supposed to be, like, the bird's I, nature has turned on us or something. Well, I, I, it is supposed to be nature has turned on us, but it's not... Yeah, the animals don't attack. They just... Are just sort of around, yeah. Like they're psychically pushing you over. Um, in in the show, uh, evil but can, yeah, uh, even this early in his career and throughout his career, Sam Elliott typically played the Sam Elliott role, which is why I say that you know he's not not known as an actor for his great range, hmm. but like the two or three parts he had in him were always great. Mm-hmm. And now he's taking that persona and giving it to Evil Knievel. Who didn't have that persona? <laughs> yeah, what was he? Because so you're a bigger fan of Evil Knievel than I am. I really um, don't know him terribly. I'm not well. a huge fan. I've just you know seen a lot, some of his stuff. You've seen more than I have, is my yeah, point. Yeah. Evil Knievel was a famous stuntman uh, throughout his entire career, but he was really big in the '70s, and mm-hmm. um, he wore flashy costumes. He was a showman, and he would jump over stuff on his motorcycle, and mm-hmm. he became very famous. There are multiple movies made about Evil Knievel, including one that had already come out, uh, starring George Hamilton. And uh, George Hamilton is closer to Evil Knievel's persona. George Hamilton is like a, a he's like a vampire game show host. He's, he's got like he's he's charismatic. He's got this sort of otherworldly sexiness to him. If you're into sort of like older Eastern European aristocrats, um, and yeah, he he has a definite sort of bluster and charm. And that was Evil Knievel. He was a uh, you know. I, Awesome, wicked hair. He wore these very Elvis-like jumpsuits with the red, white, and blue. He, he looks like Captain America, essentially. Yeah. And, and in fact, the evil Knievel look was fashioned into a Captain America TV show, which we've talked about already. Uh, yeah, uh, on the uh, Cancel mm. Too Soon monthly movie, which is exclusive on Patreon. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that Captain America, that was evil Knievel yeah. on, on, on a motorcycle. And evil Knievel came along, I'm not sure if he started it or if he was just sort of the jewel in the crown of this trend, but there was this big boom of uh, dramas and, and TV shows and movies about stuntmen and stunt drivers that came out in the mid seventies. Yeah. And yeah, evil Knievel probably couldn't have come to prominence in any other time. He was uh, known for jumping his motorcycle over stuff. He was known for injuring himself because he was a stunt man and stunt people tend to injure themselves. Mm-hmm. Even the good ones. Uh, and he's been sort of 
parodied endlessly ever since. There's been a great episode so, of The Simpsons. And that's Bart, right. The, uh, Bart idolized uh, the stuntman. Uh, Ca- Captain Lance Murdoch. I remember yeah. the, the character's name. Lance Murdoch was modeled after Evil Knievel. Bart's decided to jump things on a skateboard. Homer was worried Bart would kill himself. Yeah. And it ended with Homer falling repeatedly mm. over a cliff because Bart wanted to jump basically the Grand Canyon on a skateboard. Mm. This is based on a somewhat true story that happened to Evil Knievel, who tried to jump who tried to jump the Grand Canyon on a rocket motorcycle <laughs> and just dropped. Just dropped straight down. Amazing yeah. he's alive. It's yeah, yeah. Um at the New Beverly where I work. Uh, we have a few first the midnight shows sometimes on Saturday nights we have these like rotating trailer packs just sort of built up yeah. that we show and it's like the, here's the Ringo Starr trailer pack and it's got stuff like 200 motels and listomania you know these really weird cult movies and uh, on all of them we have little clips of Evil Knievel every single one and well they're all from the same reel they're just sort of it's just chopped up and spread throughout a couple reels. And, uh, yeah, it's Evil Knievel always, he, like, drives up on his motorcycle, gets off, takes off his helmet, his fabulous hair blowing in the wind, looks right at the camera and talks about how, you know, what he's doing is really serious work. It's really dangerous, and he's testing the limits of human life when he gets, (laughs) he goes, and then he gets on his motorcycle, and he jumps over something, and he falls off his motorcycle, and and it's filmed in slow motion, so you get to, like, see bones break. It's pretty Uh, harrowing. You know, I I will say this. If uh, Evil Knievel really did have fabulous hair, now I see why they cast Sam Elliott, because (laughs) he has the best hair in movie history. Sam Elliott, yeah, like, I I don't know how they got that sort of blown-dried look in the 1970s, what chemicals they were spraying in people's heads. I don't know, but man, they got permanently Mm. embedded into his skull, because to this day, (laughs) Sam Elliott has the best hair, at least of any man. Mm. In Hollywood. I've never seen better hair. Have you seen that great photograph of all of the Academy Award nominees? This year? For this year? Yeah, it's great. Everyone's looking in every which way except Sam Elliott, who is at the top of the of like the stadium where they're all standing, right dead and, and center. He's, he's a tall guy. He's like six foot four. So he's really popping out. He's got bright white hair. And he's the only one who's looking directly at the camera. And he's given his... His best his, headshot his, pose. His lady killing Sam Elliott smirk. Yeah, the the Twitter meme is damn right Sam knows what the <laughs> camera is. It looks amazing. Um, so we're fans of Sam Elliott, and it was a real treat to discover him in this show. Just a quick uh, quick announcement about the supporting cast where we tell you about what the series would have been like. Uh, so Evil Knievel is joined by his sidekick, uh, GR, Gene Ray Stone, played by Gary Barton, mm-hmm. who didn't have a long histor- uh, storied career, but he was in The Phantom of Hollywood, which is basically about a serial killer stalking the MGM lot, which I really want to track down. <laughs> it sounds like Fade to Black. Uh, we've got uh, Jack Decatur, who is Evil's manager. He's played by the great character actor Noble Willingham. Noble Willingham is so cool. He's a great... Okay, going back to The Simpsons, you know that character on The Simpsons who's like the rowdy Texan with a huge belt buckle who always mm. shoots guns into the air for any reason? Oh, I, I, that's I, Noble Willingham. I, like, that's the shtick that they're doing. <laughs> that was his shtick. He was extremely, extremely, extremely Texan, and he always played it up, oh. and he was great. You might remember him as the bad guy in that awesome Rucker Hauer movie, Blind Fury. That's right. He uh, was. He he owned uh, the the what was the what was the football team in Ace Ventura? It was the Miami Dolphins. I mean, he owned the Miami yeah. Dolphins and Ace Ventura. Um, anytime you saw Noble Willingham, you're like, yay! And so it was a real treat to see him in something again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the plot of the show is they would travel around from place to place getting into various adventures. And in the pilot episode, they're getting into the Battle of the Sexes. And it's worth noting that this would have been about a year after the very famous tennis match, the Battle of the Sexes, mm-hmm. which uh, was... Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. Yep, which was uh, recently <clears throat> dramatized in a very good but quickly forgotten movie uh, starring was, Emma Stone and uh, Steve Carell. It was pretty good. It was good. Like, I, mm. I, What's the flaw in that movie? Uh, it, there, it, there's not really much of a take on the material at yeah, all. It's, exactly. it's, it's a, well made. If yeah. you want to know more about the Battle of the Sexes, if you want to like understand the people and where they were mm. coming from, that's a good movie. It's... Not quite amazing enough no. to sweep the Oscars, but I think that I raised thought, people's awareness Car- of it. Steve Carell, I thought, was very good in that movie. I think they're all really mm-hmm. good in that movie. Um, and this Battle of the Sexes was... Steve Carell was in, uh, played an aging tennis pro. What was his name again? Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Riggs. Bobby Riggs, thank mm-hmm. you. Bobby Riggs was an aging ten- uh, tennis pro, and he was seeing Billie Jean King rising through the ranks, becoming one of the most famous tennis players in the world, and he was like, okay, well... I'll, I'll uh, cash in on her fame and stage a match against her, and we'll say it's the Battle of the Sexes. Yeah, and if I can beat her, then we'll prove that women should belong in the well, home. And, and and they, they in all of the press junkets, they kind of played up the, the her and his sexism. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole idea is, ah, men are sexist, and they deserve to be better, and... It was tongue in cheek, but you couldn't really tell how tongue in cheek a lot of the time. Well, because they were they were playing it up for the cameras, but the mm. fact of the matter is those attitudes really were pervasive. Yeah, and yeah. it was kind of nice to be able to see people just being d- directly upfront about it, and through a series of competitions, see women basically prove mm. that men are full of shit whenever well, they and- say sexist things. That was nice, but you yeah, it was this weird. Bobby Riggs was, was going for camp value after yeah, was, a while there. It, it it was like you could see something like that on Saturday Night Live in the seventies. You know yeah. about the, just this this guy saying all these really horrendously sexist things. He's not good at anything, and the woman is really capable. But the guy keeps getting reward and reward, and that's the punchline of this like a sketch in a comedy show. Yeah, except uh, except that's, actually, that's real life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's not really funny. So in the in the episode in the pilot episode of Evil Knievel, Evil Knievel goes to a stunt show mm-hmm. where he is going to compete with a female stunt performer mm-hmm. uh, named Tracy Butler, played by Karen Phillip, who had a recurring role on Quincy, M.E., and M.A.S.H., but otherwise not a particularly long career either. Um, yeah, and the, they're going to... The, gonna, the they're first both- shot is, yeah, it's, we see it, they're pulling up to the stunt spectacular, you know, location in California desert, and, yeah, there's a big billboard, and right away you know the premise. You're going to see that billboard at the head of every episode. Mm-hmm. You go to a new location, and there's a, a theme to the stunt show. Yeah, it's going to be, this one's Battle of the Sexes. Next one's Battle of the Centaurs. And he's going to have to, like, compete with an actual centaur to jump over. That's, yeah, that's, that's my Battle head. Beyond the Stars, whatever they got it's next. Head cannon. Um, so he, he gets to the stunt show, and there he meets the obviously evil guy who runs the place. Character's name is Daryl Pettit. He's played by Michael Anderson Jr. from Logan's Run and the Martian Chronicles. Also uh, fabulous hair. A lot of fabulous hair in this one. Everyone had fabulous hair in the 70s. Um, the whole the story kicks off when Evil and his manager want safety checks on all the ramps. And Daryl is like, well, well don't don't check. Don't check because I hid my bombs. I mean, I, there's no bombs. <laughs> yeah, no, you can just you can trust me. It's fine. Yeah. And uh, 
then of course Tracy finds out that like, well, I was fine with it, but Evil Can Evil's not, and now I'm suspicious <laughs> because why would he not trust them? Mm. And now all of a sudden they're both kind of against the manager, but the manager is very specifically Tracy's manager. He is, I guess they're dating. I can't tell if they're dating or if she's just putting up with his sexist bullshit. I think she was just putting up with his sexist bullshit. Okay, I think that 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 was the vibe I got. And he's very possessive of her, regardless, and so he wants her to win this battle of the sexes and. Man, I gotta tell you, watching this episode, I can't tell how sexist Evil Knievel is. Well, he's quite sexist, but is he super sexist or is he playing it up? All the most sexist things he said were in that Bobby Riggs, like there was a a press conference where they start where it's like, oh well, I'll show her where women belong, and then she shows. Isn't it just like a woman always late to everything? And they they need to put bumpers on your 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 motorcycles because women drivers, man. Yeah, and. And she shows up, and she's on her motorcycle on stage, and she gets to sort of shoot back at him. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to show you, you sexist pig. And, and women in the audience are given standing yeah, so ovations. All, and... all of that was theater. All of that sexist stuff was theater. But, but then, the sexist stuff he says outside of that is not. And so he's only a little sexist. <laughs> he's not, not as sexist as he is in that scene, but he's still a little sexist. I get the impression, because he'll talk about, you know, like, you know, oh, man, you know, like a... Uh, I, I can't do Sam Elliott. I would love to be able to right, do right, Sam right. Elliott's just, voice. Nah, just, just, just yeah. to, you know, do, do cowboy with a pack of cigarettes stuck in your throat. I wouldn't mind if she beat me. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, now, now you're Tom Waits. Now. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> um, he, talk, he says sexist shit. He says sexist shit all the time, but the most sexist shit he says is at the press conference. Mm. But um, the plot is he ends up wagering. With Daryl, because he sees that Daryl's mistreating uh, a fellow stunt person, um, he wages. So, so he, wages he, says, he says those things, but he he does have her back. Well, let me. Here's my point. All right. He has her back. He says, uh, "You're you're you're mistreating Tracy. Uh, I will wager who if I win this competition, if I beat the woman in the battle of the sexes, mm-hmm. you will give me her contract, so she'll be free of you." Yeah. So uh, he's he it's it. <laughs> On one hand, he has her back. On the other hand, he's kind of being condescending to her and trying to fight her battles for her. It's like, ah, oh, the little lady can't do it all on her own. I yeah, gotta I do did. it. And it's, it, it's it, the, the weird implication for me, because it, he is heroic and he does respect her as a stunt person, but he also mm-hmm. says really horrible things about her all the time. The weird implication is that really... Sexists are the real feminists because he's going to treat her like crap, but ultimately support her career. Mm. Isn't that okay? No, no, it's not evil. Can evil? What the uh, hell? Uh, yes, it is unbelievably condescending, and uh, I, I agree with your point. Um, <laughs> I thought the implication, though, was that uh, she was stuck in her contract, and I got through subtext that most. Stunt people have bad contracts like that. That's the implication. And, and, and Evil Knievel was famous enough. And, he yeah, didn't, exactly. Like, he's he's using his clout to do something that other people couldn't do. Now, if you if you didn't frame that against Battle of the Sexes, you mm. might have gotten away with it. But instead, you have specifically concocted a story in which Evil Knievel has to say extremely sexist shit. And just to be clear, the pilot episode's half an hour long. <laughs> this not, isn't like an hour long show. There's, there's like, not a lot of room to fit in that sexism. So, so they had to cram it in as hard as they could <laughs> to get as much sexism in here. And it's mm-hmm. it's weird. There's actually a lot of weird dialogue in it, and I can't tell like how ironic it is. Like, there's a part where Evil Knievel brags about being as sexy as Liberace. Yeah, and I'm like, did you know? 
By, by 1974, yeah, they knew. Oh, okay, all right. Just I, I honestly, I couldn't tell half yeah. the time. Uh, 74. Actually, I don't know. If, yeah, uh, right. They, they may not have known by then. <laughs> it might not have been. It might not have been a well-known thing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so he makes the uh, he makes the bargain with Daryl, mm-hmm. and then he goes off to do this, you know, outlandish press conference. But while he's gone, two and I, we never made these characters before or since. Two ladies wearing all leather break into Evil Knievel's camper, knock out his his mechanic, and beat up his motorcycle. I love that they actually have a blackjack. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the last time a motorcycle. I, I can't believe last time I can't remember the last time I actually saw an unironic blackjack in something. I've never seen one in real life. Yeah. I've I've only I've seen like a few photographs. Mostly they were in like Sergio Aragon or Antonio Proas cartoons yeah like spy versus spy would use them yeah i'm actually is it is it a solid club or is it like a it's like a chain mail bag full of ball bearings okay good for hitting guys oh yeah that's what Mm. you do i mean i can't think of what else you do yeah yeah what else would you do i I wish i had one i I don't want to hit i don't want to hit guys just i want one same with with brass knuckles i want brass knuckles and butterfly knives not for hitting guys just to have them they just they were they were flashed with such Mm bravado in all of the movies we saw when we were kids. Every movie I saw in the 80s, there was some like street tough who had a butterfly knife who could do tricks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. <laughs> then I find out how crazy illegal those are. Yeah. Like, you're really not allowed to have those. Apparently those are based on, uh, the original version of that was actually like a sword. A butterfly sword? It was actually originally, it's a balaclava. It's, like, okay. it's actually like the size of like a machete. Let's, uh, let's uh, have a moment of silence for all of the limbs lost in the development of that weapon. <laughs> Look, no, no, it's you a don't have to flip it in the air. Like. You, you invented that. How does it work? Okay, watch this. Uh, okay, hang on. Let me get another guy and the surgeon. <laughs> okay, okay, third guy. Let's go. I would like to see. Okay, the, this is a problem. Here's what you do. You do the short version of that, but it's about the invention of the first lightsaber. <laughs> you can just like move which, it slowly which, through someone's arm, can't which, you? Which which led directly into the invention in Star Wars of the first robotic limb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just whoops! It's, a, it's, a, good, robotic it's a good thing you had these technologies at the same time. So they beat up Evil Knievel's mechanic. They beat up his motorcycle, mm-hmm. and it's all I like, like I, I like to think that they were going to be regulars, like they were the toughs that were following him around. <laughs> they were Balkan skull. They were, yeah, like like they they didn't have any sort of like specific beef, but they did want to ruin his career. They the Yancey Street Gang, free floating evil. Yeah, yeah. So they beat up the beat up motorcycle, and they're just like, oh no, if we can't. Play in the race. I lose my contract to this guy, and he's so evil. Could we fix it? And the guy's not, just not like, evil, but evil. That's what they need in this show. An evil, evil can evil. Evil can evil. Evil can evil. That's like we don't have an evil stunt person. Like that's what he need. He, he should have had a bad guy. He well, was there, fighting there was on a bad stage. guy. It was the the evil uh, guy who's oppressing Tracy. He's not a stunt person. He had he bombs on on stunt ramps. That's yeah. that's a bad that's a bad guy to a stunt man. I, a decent villain. For a stuntman-themed pilot. Eh. All right. I want him. I want him wearing flashy outfits. That's what it boils down to. Oh, okay. okay. You want a Saturday morning cartoon version of yes, this? Yes, that's the whole point of this. You know, that's, but, that's what it, evil can evil fights crime every week. That's know, a that's a stupid show. I, I've Play su- it up. I suggested recently that we do uh, Super Dave Daredevil for Hire, the Saturday morning cartoon from the early nineties. We will. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. And you know. Rest in peace, Bob Einstein. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> so um, we we have that. We just have to do it on the show. All right, fair enough. Uh, can they fix the motorcycle in time? Turns out, yes. Moving on. 
Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not an issue. It's really all. not. It's the commercial breakaway and boom. And then it, Evil's going to do the big jump. Mm. That's the big exciting thing. Can he do the jump? But wouldn't you know it, Daryl has, as you have already ruined multiple times on this podcast, <laughs> put bombs in the ramp. And Evil Knievel is such a badass stunt driver that he lands anyway, and it's fine, and it just looks like he did the coolest thing ever, yeah, as opposed it, to narrowly avoid dying. It, it's the kind of thing Evil Knievel would have done anyway. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to drive over this ramp, and as I do it, it's going to set off bombs, but I'm going so fast that I'm going to survive. And he did it. That's cool. Mm. It's a cool stunt. They really did it at the time. There's no CG. There's no removal of wires. They had to jump this thing. There are explosions. It does look cool. I will give the show that. And then, of course, it all comes down to Evil Knievel has to chase down Daryl. Daryl is on foot, though. So Evil Knievel just, like, bumps into him in the parking lot, and he rolls over. (laughs) And then we just cut to, like, where's the chase? At least let him get in a car. Like, let him get in a car chase, for God's sake. You're giving a low-budget action pilot from the 1970s way too much credit. They don't have the budget for that stuff. The thing. Blow up a bunch of ramps. Yeah. Like, t- give me and a, that's it. That's all they have. Give me a sixty-second car chase. Give me a sixty. Yeah. Cut out one fifth this, of the misogyny, okay. and you have room for a car chase. Th- this was made in a time when cars were eight hundred feet long and, and cost from, a dollar. And went from zero to sixty in a year. They're not going <laughs> to. They're not going to have a car chase Speed in one of those up the film. 70s boat cars. That's what, that's what, that's what editing is for. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, mm. they... Does the, question, is the battle of the sexes ever resolved in the pilot? Do they ever like decide like who won that match? I don't think they did. Well, they, it's, they seem pretty evenly matched, and I think yeah. that's a good ending. Although, I wish they had said you know, a line of dialogue to that degree. Yeah. Like, and it turns out men and women are equally good stunt drivers. Wouldn't that okay, be nice? Now here's a series about all men stunt drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it just ends with like all the dudes driving away. And again, you say, there was, where's the time? It's at a premium. There's like 90 seconds of pointless banter that closes out this episode. <laughs> where it's just like, well, off we go to our oh. next adventure. <laughs> you said you'd give away Here, free tickets. You never give away free tickets. Here's my theory on that. That's Sam Elliott's influence leaking into the show. Okay. They made, they made a series about Evil Knievel. They cast Sam Elliott, but Sam Elliott is so affable and so uh, approachable and so laid back just as a human being that Evil Knievel kind of had to be altered to fit him. Ah. Which means, what kind of world does not Evil Knievel live in? What kind of world does Sam Elliott live in? Well, I imagine Sam Elliott has not had a stressed out evening in his life. <laughs> Like, no matter where he is or what he's doing, somehow he ends every day on a porch on a cool evening drinking a cold one, talking about the old days. Oh, God, that sounds great. Like, like the porch will grow up around him. (laughs) So they had to to make a show where there's a lot more more light banter, everything's a lot more laid back, the action is really kind of of subdued. Luca... (laughs) Luca has discovered where you keep the cat food cans. He just knocked it over like a shmoo. You adorable creature. He's a little shmoo. He's a little cute little cat. You okay there, buddy? We're almost done. Um, This is a very short episode. Uh, So I would like to take a little extra time. More time than we normally do. There's not a lot lot much else to discuss. It's a half-hour pilot. It's pretty straightforward. I would like to pitch with you. Okay. 
Because, again, our whole thing is, what if it lasted 100 episodes? Mm. We need to come up with some episodes. Because, man, what is this show? <laughs> Every week he goes well, to a different stunt place, and then what? We've we've already covered uh, Master Ninja. Or yeah. the Master. Yeah. Uh, and that was just... Again, it was 1970s laid-back adventure show. Instead that was of early a, 80s, but whatever. Or, or, you know, same vibe. And yeah. uh, instead of a motorcycle, it was a van. They, they had a shagging wagon in that one. In this one, they have a tour bus and mm. motorcycles. So, yeah, the series is, it begins every episode with that billboard. They show up at a new stunt spectacular, and there's some drama within the stunt world there. Okay. Like, here's a, a somebody who's corrupt. Here's somebody who's been brainwashed. <laughs> here's, yeah, here's a... Uh, a kid who's really inexperienced and thinks he can take on Evil Knievel, but you just know he's going to die and Evil Knievel has to talk him down. Even the kid's going to jump something on his motorcycle, but then Evil Knievel has to jump perpendicular to the kid and grab the kid yeah, yeah, because something. he's going to fly off of the motorcycle. And, and every drama can be solved during a stunt spectacular, which is achieved through all the stock footage they had of Evil uh, Knievel. Okay, that's the premise, but let's actually mm. let's actually break down some episodes. So okay. this week on Evil Knievel, Evil... Picks up a hitchhiker, and every, and uh, all of his cohorts think the guy is a fugitive from the law that they're all looking for, mm. but in actuality, he's the fugitive's brother, and he's trying to bring his brother to justice, so it was all a big double fake-out, and the evil stuntman... Mm. Thank, thank you, Luca. He's really going to try to open those cans. <laughs> he really is. He's so smart. He's going to grow thumbs just Look to at do it. Running. Trying to get it, um, yeah, and then like so, it's a it's a it's a twisteroo, it's a twisteroony. All right, you think the bad guy is bad um, guy, but he's actually a good guy. Okay, that that's that's a fine story for that character, but what does what does evil can evil have to do in that story? He watches. He's he's just an observer that time around. He he he's the one who's like got it. No, he's got to defend him because everyone okay. is uh, everyone around them doesn't trust strangers, and he's mm. like, you got to trust. You gotta okay. learn how to trust your fellow I, man. I think he doesn't have enough agency in that episode. All right, fight, pitch okay. me something better. Um, okay, uh, there's going to be a stunt spectacular on an aircraft carrier, and he discover- hello, Mister Budget. And he discover it, it's it's parked. It's in Long Beach. They don't, they're not going to take it out to sea. <laughs> They'll film it from one side, so it looks like they're at sea. It, they're 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 decommissioning an aircraft carrier. Okay, so they they can just go on there and film at night, <laughs> and uh, and he discovers uh, some uh, army mal or navy naval malfeasance. Ah, it's gonna be like Jag. Like he discovers somebody's up to something. Like they're gonna they're they're stowing drugs or something, some contraband in the aircraft carrier. Okay, and he's investigating in between the stunt spectacular. So there you go, interesting setting. He gets to do uh, has like an interesting crime plot. Okay, uh, Evil Knievel uh, does a big show at the Berlin Wall. We'll fake it in Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a big show at the at yeah. the Berlin Wall, but the American government wants him to pass contraband over to East Berlin, so he's got to hide it in the motorcycle. So when he lands on the other side of the Berlin Wall, it's, it's like spy secrets. Yeah. Okay. That's that. That would be like a good season capper. Though. Yeah. That's a want, big story. That's a really that's big a, story. That's a good one. Jump over the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Exactly. And he's got to find <laughs> some way to jump back, but there's no ramp on the other side, so he's got to fake it somehow. Um, the environmental episode. He, he has to uh, do a, like a stunt spectacular out in the woods, mm-hmm. and the, the big stunt spectacular is he's going to jump through like a, a hole in a big wide tree that's like thirty feet up off the ground. Okay, that's okay. a good. That's a good stunt. You could probably do that. Okay, I see. Um, it. You know, you could like drive through a tunnel in a tree. Have, he just jumps through it this time. Okay. 
Um, and in so doing, he runs afoul of some protesting environmentalists led by, of course, you know, comely 70s lady that he kind of ro- has a romantic thing with. Not a really relationship, but they connect. Right. And he ends up uh, refusing to do the stunt or somehow finds a way to do it and fight for her cause. Okay, you do the Lady for a Day episode in which GR has been writing to his mother, telling his mother... <laughs> that he's been the stuntman. Yeah, this whole time, or at least a co-stuntman, and now she's visiting, mm. and he has to do a big stunt, and Evil's got to train him to do a stunt all by himself, but he's not a stunt guy, he's a mechanic. Mm. So they've got to try to find some way to finagle it or fake it so that Evil Knievel does it on the actual day, but it looks like the guy did because he's not put the helmet down. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he goes, yeah. D- goes behind a billboard and they switch places. Real but then fast, some, probably. there's some bullshit. They get into like a big like bar fight the night before, and the guys show up the night before and actually like use a blackjack on <laughs> evil. Kid evil. So okay, Gr actually is, has to do the stunt for real. This was all just a, a, an excuse to use the blackjack prop again. Look, we paid it? for the blackjack. We're going to use the blackjack. <laughs> blackjack. For, like, actually, I don't know how much you can get them for. Right? I don't know how much they cost. They only had the one. They it's just traded say, it off between productions. There, there's you know. What? There's like a vintage armament store in our neighborhood. Mm. I think if we were to go in there, they might have. That's like the only place I could think that would have a blackjack. Okay. Anyway, uh, there's the industrial espionage episode where somebody is like trying to sell Evil Knievel on this fancy brand new motorcycle that has like all these new bells and whistles and is a much safer. And and he's an old fashioned guy who wants to do his old fashioned motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ends up getting being talked into it, but they're trying to pass off faulty material and like skip town with the money and he uncovers the malfeasance Where, what does he jump I don't, I don't see it uh, just it's a regular sp- stunt show uh, uh, fine he jumps a, a tank of alligators I don't know good okay uh, <laughs> that's the trick where's the jump we gotta put it uh, in there gotta put the jump in alright uh, there's a Smokey and the Bandit episode where it turns out Evil Knievel has a cousin who's doing who's like moonshine a, bo- a bootlegger yeah he was a bootlegger <laughs> and He's in a lot of trouble, and if Here, Evil Knievel doesn't do the run with yeah. him, they're going to cut off his thumbs. Here, here's the problem. Evil Knievel is a real person. I know. <laughs> he doesn't have a, a moonshine-running cousin. Who cares? As far as we know. Yeah, exactly. Who, who knows? So for all we know, he has one. And Evil Knievel, here's the some, difference. some liberties with Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel can't be seen... Mm. Doing bootlegging, so he has to come up with an alternate identity for himself, uh, and that's when he becomes evil Knievel. Uh, weevil Knievel. No, he puts on, he puts on like you know all black and like some devil horns or something, and whenever he has to pretend to be a bad guy, he's evil Knievel. I, I, I get what you're doing. Evil. You need to stop writing stories that are inspired directly by puns. Okay, are my stories inspired by puns, or do puns run the world? <laughs> If it's the latter, it's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> well, it's good for you because I'm punning on empty. So I'm almost. Oh my god, I got another oh one in! God. I got another one in! That's it, give me your fingers. <laughs> 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 Uh, so th- there's there's stories to be had. I know, and they're all kooky and they're, dumb. They're all kooky and dumb, and and I th- I think you're right. I think a Saturday morning cartoon, especially like '70s era Hanna Barbera th- like right? tone, where it's really strange, and you can also get like robot pterodactyls or like other kind of fantasy garbage in there. Yeah. That's the show I want to see with Evil Knievel. Same. Yeah. Sa- Sam Elliott. I-, I love Sam Elliott. He's great. He's not. Uh, I don't think he's that good as like a stuntman. He doesn't 
give off that sort of high octane, high tension world of a no, dangerous stunt. He's really laid back. He gives mm. these speeches in the show. He's just like, I'd like to thank all y'all for coming to join me. It's going to be real fun. I'm going to jump over that stuff. And I'm like, I'm not pumped, evil. <laughs> I'm not pumped up. I feel like Smithers doing, you, you need, you need doing a, color commentary. You, gotta, you need a, a Ric Flair type doing yeah. it. I'm going to jump over these four buses and these buses are going to be on fire and there's going to be convicted murderers inside of them climbing out to get me. You know, whatever Who do you, who do you get, though? Who do you get? Instead of like, if you're, mm. as, as much as it pains me, Aww. Sam Elliott is great, but he's just kind of the wrong fit. Who do you get mm. instead of Sam Elliott to be oh. Evil Knievel in a TV show. John Eric Hexum. He'd be too young. He'd be way too young. Yeah, yeah, he, he was still like in junior high at this Well, that's time. true. It was 74. He was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, he would have so been great, though. He would have been great in yeah. the early 80s. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's going to be your solution to everything. John Eric Hexum. John Eric Hexum. <laughs> Look, John Eric Voyagers, Hexum. my God. John Eric Hexum took up a lot of space in my brain here. <laughs> With good comments. <laughs> A sexy man. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. Who's like sort of has a little bit of star power in the seventies? Just a little bit of star power, but not huge. Everyone I can think of is like too young. Hmm. You know, like uh, Michael Douglas was still doing like Streets of San Francisco, but oh, I think he was yeah, a little yeah. too young. Or Kurt Russell would have been great, but in, again, in the eighties, oh, Kurt, Kurt, yeah, maybe in the eighties, he would have been a little young for it. I, he, well, no, he could only have played like a young Evil Knievel. Like, Which would have been fine, but Evil was, Knievel was still around and doing stuff. Yeah, so it's he, hard he, to he play was, that He was like off. 19 or 20 in 1974. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, golly, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't freaking know. Maybe the audience. Well, Let know, us know who you think should have played Evil Knievel. Sam Elliott was only 30 when yeah. this came out. He, he just was playing older, so you can find a younger guy who can play older. Oh, I know you can, yeah. but like, question is who? Hmm. Jeffrey Hunter. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Jeffrey Hunter would have been good. Yeah. Okay, cool. We got Jeffrey Hunter. He was Jesus and Star Trek. <laughs> he, was, he was so Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he played he played Captain Pike. He did. He was also Jesus, wasn't he? In a TV movie or something? Was he? Did he play Jesus? Was Jeffrey Hunter Jesus? Well, I mean, I'm going to Google, was Jeffrey Hunter was Jesus? Was Jeffrey Hunter Jesus? <laughs> not, not, not literally. Like, did he play Jesus? Uh, hold on, Jeffrey Hunter. Just he, he has he's he's handsome. He's he was, sort of matinee good looks. He and, was King of Kings. Oh, that's right. Nineteen sixty one. You're right. You know what? Yeah. And that's that's one of the Jesus movies I haven't seen. I haven't there seen King go. of Kings. Yeah. All Luca, right. will you stop playing with those cans? Luca, Luca really wants to break into those cans. He's going to figure it out before this podcast. He opened is over. drawers recently. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, we have a little extra time. Would you like? I should read some letters. Sure, let's read a couple All letters. Right. Um, here is a fan letter. Oh. That's it for for Evil King. Oh, was it canceled too soon? Uh, no. I yeah. don't, I don't, I, it's it's not the kind. It it didn't. I like the idea of an Evil Knievel show. I don't like this Evil Knievel show. No, it's really it's way too laid back. It's, Frankly, it's I think kind of generic. You I know, think you the get sexism Knievel, episode gets it off on the wrong foot. It's just I, I, I like to lame think that they gross. wouldn't they wouldn't have run with the sexism. We just but know. it was a weird choice. Yeah, I know they were trying to be topical, but. You don't want to make the protagonist mm. of your show the bad guy mm. in the battle of the sexes. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I just had another idea for an episode. The Halloween episode. Okay. Where he goes up against a headless horseman who only shows up at night Ooh. and then just sort of drives off on his motorcycle. 
You know, you know, in Ghost Rider, like the most disappointing thing that happened in, in the Ghost Rider movie, the first Ghost Rider movie. Well, yeah. Where Sam Elliott's in that. Yes. And it's revealed that Sam Elliott was like the first Ghost Rider. Yeah, it was really cool. And there's this awesome, like totally pumped up scene where uh, Nicolas Cage, like his head is a flaming skull and he gets on his flaming motorcycle and he's a tattoo and he looks like a badass. And Sam Elliott, his head is also a flaming skull, but he's a cowboy. And he's on a horse with flaming hooves and they're riding across the desert and the ho- horse's hooves are aflame and they're playing Ghost Riders in the sky. And they're about to kill Lucifer's Yeah, they're going to this western town in the middle of nowhere to face off against Lucifer's son. And you're like, okay, maybe this movie won't suck after all. It's been kind of boring up until now. Mm. Let's do this. And they arrive there, and their heads go back to regular heads. And Sam Elliott says, well, here's where I get off. I used up the and last of my power to get you here. It's like, why didn't you wait till we were like, here? No, you idiot. You we do were- that awesome ride. No, Sam Elliott and Nicolas Cage teaming up to fight Satan's son is the movie I want. Yeah, I le- you, you set I, it all up. It's all why, there. Why, why didn't you do that? It's all this buildup. Yeah. It would be like if at the end of the Star Wars, like, okay, we're going to make this huge run on the Death Star. We get there and Luke's just like, well, I'm out of gas. <laughs> and that's uh, it. And then, and then Wedge kills it. And you're like, what happened? <laughs> and, and, and only Wedge. The rest of the, yeah. the rebels just go. Everyone runs out of gas yeah. except Wedge. I'm like, good for Wedge, but like, it's not why we were here. <laughs> we were here for Sam. Same thing happened in, in one of the Hunger Games movies. I think it was the last one. Oh, where yeah. There was like this final assault on the, the big capital. And yeah, they have to, the whole point is they have to get to like the center of the city. Yeah. And then they finally do. And everyone gets like knocked unconscious. And the rest of the battle happened off camera. And well, you're like, no, what the fuck? Well, no, what I was going to say oh. was uh, before they, they begin their assault, it's like Katniss is, yeah, we need to sneak in. And I, we know this surreptitious way of sneaking inside. And Jenna Malone is there. And Jenna Malone's totally badass. She's like this, like, yeah. doesn't, gi- doesn't give an F about anything kind of character. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the two of us, we can, like, sneak in and we can blow things up. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. These two badass women are going to sneak into the Capitol and blow everything up. And then Jenna Malone says, but I can't go. You need to take these boring guys with guns and just do it action movie style. I'm like, no. You you said something really cool and then you didn't do it. That's really upsetting to me. Anyway, I agree. Let, let's read some letters. Read a letter. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove the cat from this temptation. <laughs> Rescue the cat from the cans. Hey, buddy. Why don't you get out of there? I will not. You cannot tame me. Okay. Right, uh, here's a letter from Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Um, <laughs> the title of this letter is "Forget About the Edge." I remember Richard Bay. I don't. Yeah, I, you, maybe you're lucky. Maybe not. Oh. The, we I, I mentioned Richard Bay very briefly in passing. He was a, a kind of like a TV shock jock uh, talk show host pre Jerry Springer in the early 1990s. Okay, and and it, but it was very deliberately so. Like it was staged as this big circus. Anyway, um, not only do I remember him, I saw him when he was the host of Nine Broadcast Plaza, the local very serious public affairs show that morphed into the Richard Bay Show. When he worked for WWOR here in New York, he was a legitimately good television journalist and interviewer. After the transformation, I watched the Richard Bay show every day, mainly for the moments where Bay would sort of stare off into space after a moment of peculiar, stupid, particular stupid, stupidity from a guest or an audience member, and you just know he's thinking, I had a serious journalism career. That is now over. <laughs> There was a, there's actually Ouch. moments there was actually moments when like somebody would say something really stupid and he would turn to the camera and mouth he wouldn't say out loud he just mouth where do they find these people <laughs> 
like he had those asides a lot. <sighs> um, as for The Edge, Fox went all in on a sketch comedy show in the early 90s, didn't it? I vaguely remember seeing some of the episodes. Sketches about Mariah Carey and Delta Burke destroying Tokyo, or, destroying Tokyo are particularly clear in my mind, but I was more interested in that other MTV-influenced sketch comedy show that they had the same year, The Ben Stiller Show. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Ben Stiller Show was also a bite the hand that feeds you when it came to Fox. They also had a recurring 90210 gag where Stiller played both Luke Perry and Jason Priestley. And Bob Odenkirk played a character who dressed like a leatherman and, quote, had a secret, namely that he was an undercover cop. There was also Amish studs, their take on the uh, oh, that yeah. low point in uh, television history, with Andy Dick giving into his bodily urges over a mini-dressed hottie. I watched that and the John Leguizamo sketch comedy show House of Buggin' in 1995. That one I don't remember at all. I, I, I watched House of Buggin' like for the three episodes it aired. <sighs> Um, and when Mad TV showed up, I got in the habit of watching it. I had a thing for Nicole Sullivan, uh, then switching to Saturday Night Live, only to watch the Norm Macdonald Weekend Update segment before going to bed. I had a very isolated, sad life in the 1990s. Didn't we all? Um, you weren't the only one up late on Friday nights by yourself watching sketch comedy shows on Fox. I'll have you know. Hmm. Solidarity, brother, because I was there too. Uh, now it's time for me to proselytize for a show you can do in the future, maybe for your next scary tober. In a discussion I had with Cullen Bunn on Twitter, the subject of 2000's The Others came up, and a supernatural show about a support group for psychics, show run by Glenn Morgan, Glenn Morgan and James Wong. And boy, you can tell uh, all their space above and beyond stalwarts showing up constantly, including Kristen Cloak playing a quote, the woman who may or not, may not be death herself. What's really impressive is that the ca- it wasn't the cast so much, although it did feature Bill Cobb, uh, Missy Kreider, Gabriel Macht, Kevin J. O'Connor, and John Billingsley, yeah. uh, was the people working behind the camera. Episodes were directed by Toby Hooper, Bill Condon, McGarris, Tom McLaughlin, William Malone, and a personal acquaintance, Brian Trenchard-Smith. Hmm. Uh, you have to admit that it, that's a true murderer's row of directors. Oh, indeed. Yep. Uh, the others lasted 13 episodes in this 10 p.m. Saturday time slot on NBC's desperate efforts to keep their thrilogy concept after the departure of The Pretender and Profiler. Surprisingly, this show has never been released on Blu-ray or DVD. It needs to be, and it has been added to my personal holy grails. I hope you can find it. The Others, the series. 2000, is, yeah. It's, it's on the list now. Uh, I, yeah, I actually wasn't, wasn't list really aware of it. I continue to look forward to your ventures into televisual ephemera thomas thank you yeah mm. that's a really good suggestion i really didn't have the one on my list yeah yeah i'd never heard of that especially with all of the uh all of those directors attached yeah that's a good note mm. and good people involved too mm. that's all really really cool uh here's a letter from olive uh who is also inspired by the edge to find uh, like similar sketch comedy shows mm. we haven't done a lot of sketch comedy shows because like they're gauged a little bit differently mm. and they're also legion there are so many short-lived sketch comedy shows, and they're all impossible to find. Because no one archived them. Yeah. Like, no one cared. You might find an episode or a clip from an episode on mm. YouTube, but yeah, no, it's it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. Was... A lot, again, our show is a show about failure. Mm. People don't tend to remember failures. <laughs> History is written by the winners. That's what everyone always says. Mm. So tracking down the failures can be really difficult yeah, unless there is some stealthy way in which they won. Like, you know, something like Serenity, which eventually had its own... Firefly had eventually had its own movie, Serenity. That stealthily won, but, like, not initially. No. And most of the shows that came out at the same time, no one remembers anymore. Yeah, the the DVD release of The Edge was so limited that we actually needed aid from uh, from a fan, so from a listener. Thank you, Luke. Yeah. uh, Lucas, for providing that for us. 
Um, but yeah, here's a letter from Olive who says, Hello, I was listening to your The Edge episode and suddenly I remembered Acceptable TV. I was certain it got a second season, but I looked it up and saw it only got one, so I can suggest it to you. It was a 2007 weekend morning VH1 show where they showed five shorts and viewers would vote on which one they would like to see continued. Yeah. I really liked the show because it definitely mirrored the early days of YouTube. Acceptable TV. That's another yeah, one that's okay. not on our list. Um, there were some really great ones. I remember loving Homeless James Bond, which plays much worse now, yeah. and Operation Kitty Calendar. That's a great title. Okay. Uh, I haven't checked it, but I have a feeling uh, you can find full epi- finding full episodes will be difficult, but a lot of the sketches are available on YouTube. And uh, there's uh, even a link a link here for Operation Kitty I Calendar. I will look for it. I hope you'll consider the show and find it acceptable. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's a, a great recommendation, but uh, yeah, tracking these things down is going to be really tough. Sometimes, yeah. But, yeah, we're going to put these things on our list. We'll because definitely try. They have been uh, off, off our radar. Um, this is a letter from Luke, who gave us the edge. Hey! Uh, hey guys, Luke here. So I was... I'm so glad I was able to get your own get you your own copies of The Edge. Even if you never got around to reviewing it for the show, I knew you would. Simply he- hearing Whitney get his holy grail would have been worth it. A couple of notes. Uh, first, my name is indeed Luke, not Lucas. I apologize. Dude. Okay. You had one job. I'm upset you got it wrong because I've been dealing with that my whole life. Oh. Uh, well, just call me Whitney Houston a couple times and, and we'll be even. Uh, it's actually amazing how many people don't believe that Luke isn't just short for Lucas, leading me often to say, nope, birth certificate says Luke. I just assume it was a combination of having having it been a while since you read the email and having a cat named Luca. So again, not offended. Okay. Second, oh God, yes, the pain of doing internet searches for this show. <laughs> it's called The Edge. Yeah, I know. I, I will forever know that the movie The Edge came out in 1997 because of how often I looked for this show. In the early days of file sharing, The Edge, 1997, was the only search result I could find when looking for this show. A weird thing occurred to me as I listened to the episode. When The Edge came out, uh, it was... I was prime time for me to get into sketch comedy. Like Whitney, I was 14 in 1992. I was just learning who Monty Python was, had kids in the hall to watch, and a couple of years later would have The State. Uh, in the very first episode of The State, there's a sketch called Hormones. It's what made my mom uh, tell me to turn it off and ban me from watching it. Of course, I, of course I found ways to keep watching. Uh, I have recently learned that my mom actually has and always has had a dark, twisted sense of humor when I found out she loves In Bruges. Standard, inconsistent Christian values upbringing, I suppose. Uh, my love for sketch comedy also led uh, to deepen my love for Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is my all-time favorite TV show. So many host segments are basically just sketches, the absolute best being A Joke by Ingmar Bergman. <laughs> it takes so long for such a dumb payoff, it becomes amazing. Of course, I'm sure you guys are completely aware of how many one-season sketch comedy shows there are, and I highly doubt I know any any that you do not, so no new recommendations. So for now, I will continue to sit back, thoroughly enjoy your podcast, and patiently wait for your eventual discussion of Mantis. Oh, <laughs> when are we doing Mantis? We have to do Mantis. We have to do Mantis. We got to. We it's, it's actually kind of expensive to get Mantis. We'll get Mantis. Uh, Man- there is a proper DVD release of Mantis, and yeah. we'll get to Mantis. It's really we, old. We really have expensive. access to Mantis. Yeah, we'll um, get it. I've been wanting to do Mantis since we started the show. I know. I've been teasing I, it out. It's been my slow, subtle torture I, I, of you. I want to push it back because I like. I just know it's going to suck. And I, <laughs> I don't want to necessarily subject our listeners to that. Oh, yes, you do. They love it when we die. I suppose so. <laughs> they love it when we suffer. That's Remember the, the episode where Curtis Armstrong could freeze time and pants guys when time was frozen? Remember the episode where there was an invisible dinosaur? Because they couldn't afford a real dinosaur? Yeah. Well, no one can afford a real dinosaur. 
Well, some people can. I've seen, I've seen that Jurassic World movie. There's they, they auction them off all the time. I know, I know. But it's one of those documentaries where you're just like, you're never going to get into that world. Yeah, I know. That Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Of, of the, the kingdom that has fallen. Look, we're not going to get any better than this in this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can email us. Uh, what is it? Cancel too soon at gmail.com. Yes, you can. And uh, please do, because we love hearing from you. Uh, we also have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Most recently, we have a new poll up. Uh, you can help decide one uh, show this month. And uh, it's, right it's now already it's already down to a runoff. That's right. It is neck and neck between Harper's Island and John from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I, we actually have the boxes right here on the table next to me. By, so the time, take a look at by the time this episode goes live, there should be at least a few more hours left in that bowl. So get on over there, subscribe, and you can decide which of those shows we will review in February. Meantime... What are we going to review next week, Whitney? What are we going to review next week? I forgot. I, I don't. We didn't really decide. <laughs> Let's pick awkwardly right uh, now. Uh, do you want to review? I'm going to give you two options from our okay. pile here. This, this is going to be exciting. This, this is a first. Yeah. We already, Usually we plan ahead, but we're, we were really eager to get on Evil Knievel. We're going so we, to go discuss with, it beforehand. We're going to go with donations. Yes. Uh, do you want to review RoboCop the series? Uh-huh. Or Benji, Zax, and the Alien Prince. Benji, Zax, and the Alien Prince. Benji, Zax, and the Alien sure. Prince. But uh, you know what? Hmm. Because that was such a huge tease, we'll do Robocop the series really soon. Okay. We'll do Robocop <laughs> the series in March. We'll do Robocop the series in All March. All right, fair. It'll be, a, it'll be a callback to our Cops with Robot Partners month. Because this, this time he's a cop and a robot. Yeah. He's his, best, own, he's his own partner. Best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, so we'll do Benji, Zax, and the Alien Prince. That is a kid's show starring Benji the dog and an alien and a robot. Mm. Yeah, the alien is not the robot. No, they're two Z- separate things. Zax is the robot. Zax uh, makes those robots from the black hole look like really well articulated creatures. <laughs> yep, but I've never seen all of it, so I'm super excited I, because I, what I have seen is terrible. I saw it as a kid, Ooh. so I can't judge it. I saw I saw bits of it recently, just looking around for shows like that mm. on YouTube, and I found them. And yeah, so we'll do that next week, and then in March we'll do RoboCop the series, and mm. then after Benji Zax and the Alien Prince, we'll do whatever won the poll, and then we have another fun Oscar tie-in to wrap up the end of February. Yes, but again, canceled too soon on Patreon. Uh, subscribe, get a lot of cool bonus content, and. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. The show is at Cancelled Cast. And thank you very much for watching. That is a wrap. We'll see you next season.